Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, I Am Thankful for Change, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on November 11th, 2018. Well, good morning, everyone. Here I am. <laughs> Wasn't that cool? I don't know. I just I watched that. I've got to watch it a, a few times because my wife, my uh, daughter, put that video together, and I, I just just in awe of what God is doing. You truly are who He says you are, and God loves you. God God wants you to know that that He loves you. And that this last weekend, our our ladies experienced uh, some life change. Honestly, they 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 shared what God was doing in their lives. They they experienced some some special moments together, and uh, we can just point it to the to the love and the hope of Jesus. Christ. Christ and, and the life change that God is doing in, in everyone's life. There's, there's not a one of us that's, that sits here this morning that's part of this community that God isn't at work in and he's doing some things that are just, uh, just amazing. And I, I call them miracles just because I see my own life and the things that God has done and how he's changed me. And if you ask my parents, my mom, that uh, yeah, it's a miracle. <laughs> I'm where I'm at today because uh, she knew me when I was younger. She knew the things that I, I got involved in and the, the life that I lived before Jesus, and so very thankful. Let's give God a hand for the wonderful ladies and the example that they set for us. Um, this last weekend, they, they had a renovate conference, and uh, it was a great weekend, a lot of great stories of life change, and so what I'd like to do um, is I want to invite three of the ladies up this morning, uh, Jolene, Vicki, and Jane, if you guys would come on up. And they're going to share a little bit about that life change with us this morning. I've asked them to, to kind of talk about their story and what God has done in their lives. And uh, so um, they're going to do that for us this morning. So we're going to spend the next about 10, 15 minutes uh, just listening to them and hearing from them and uh, just uh, sharing in what God has done for them and in their lives. And it doesn't matter who goes first. Do you have the mic, Jane? I'm sorry. So she was in charge of the mic. Sorry. Just kidding. <laughs> That was my fault, actually. I should have grabbed it. So this is Jolene. You guys can introduce yourselves, and then I'll let you guys talk. My name is Jolene Jolene My part of the retreat was to discuss on what we are calling the perfect life, of which I was asked how I was renovated. I touched on a few topics like comparing our lives to others and how social media for myself didn't help contentment and embracing the mess and caring for ourselves, but the one that I feel was closer to my heart was matter of the heart. When I was asked if I would like to participate in the retreat, I never imagined that I would learn or be made more aware of how much I was trying to attain perfection, but also placing my identity in others. I wanted the perfect family where everyone loved each other, my children were perfect little angels, and I didn't have to clean, especially the bathroom. In all seriousness, I was so focused on trying to please everyone that I thought through this tug and pull I was or, or that through this tug and pull I was losing sight of who I should be pleasing and that I really have no control of others' actions. In Galatians 1:10 it says, I am not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. So I'm trying to proactively ask myself, foremost, is this pleasing the Lord? Then I try to take actions in doing so, and also making sure that I am seeking God's word 
and surrounding myself with godly women who lift me up and lovingly keep me accountable. I also have to keep in mind that, that through this life, I aim for progression, not perfection. I read this somewhere and thought this was perfect. A woman's heart that has been transformed by the power of God brings change to those around her. She is secure in knowing where she is in life, and what she is doing is enough for God, because she has set her heart in only pleasing him. Um, my part of the retreat was to talk about the secret identity, and I've talked about uh, my daughter, Heather, who I lost to suicide in 2011. Who I better not look at the pictures. Um, <laughs> and um, also having lost um, my mother at a very young age, and my dad actually shortly after Heather. But um, just the fact that I had lost so many people, and how the heck do you get over that? <laughs> So, um, as talked about um, in Psalm 30:11, you have turned my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Uh, God hurts when we hurt. Jesus, God's son, died on a cross for our sins. His unconditional love turns things around on our behalf. Where there is grief and loss, God brings soothing and relief. Where there is pain and suffering, he brings peace and hope. Only he can turn our mourning into dancing and clothe us with gladness instead of despair during our darkest hours. Um, so my friend, before I was um, going to do this speech, she said, well, you are, you are, um, what did she say? <laughs> You're um, basically amazing because... Um, I still have joy. God has brought me joy despite all my losses, and that's amazing. Hi, I'm Vicki Husted, and um, I've known the Lord for quite some time. And I always felt that through the trials and tribulations of my life, he was always there to reach down into whatever pit I'd found myself and pull me out into the light. But during the last couple of years when I had a nervous breakdown, I discovered that wasn't really the truth. He was with me every minute of the way. He was in that pit of helpless, hopeless, worthlessness that I lived in for a year or so. And he held my head up out of the muck even when I wouldn't or couldn't do it myself. So I became much closer to God, not waiting for him to reach down into my pit, but knowing he was there with me, lifting me up day by day, minute by minute. I also discovered that there's no place in the Bible where the Lord says that he looked at them with pity, shook his head, and turned away. He was always moved with compassion. He made compassion an active word, and so must we. Well, before you ladies go away, we're not going to let you get out that easy, okay? <laughs> yes, question and answer. We'll start it this way and we'll work our way this way. No, I'm kidding. Um, 
The, the reason why I asked these ladies to come up today is we're going to talk about life change. We're going to look at God's word and, and kind of learn a little bit about what God's word says about uh, change and what he's doing. And the word that we use in church is sanctification. You know, God saves us and then he sanctifies us. He helps us to become the people that he wants us to be. And sometimes through the, the toughest, some of the darkest, uh, some of the most hurtful moments in times when we feel like we're in complete despair, uh, God, God uses those moments to, to help us. But what I think is, is the greatest aspect of the change and the experience and, and the, the things that we go through in this life is that, that there are others, that there are others that, that God is at work in their life and he's just taking what he's done in our life to help them through the process, to help them see him through the muck and the myrrh and all the, all the tough moments. And what, what I like to do, and, and I didn't make up this myself, there's another pastor that shares this, but it's like God seeing us as this broken down house, you know, that, that just needs to be renovated. It needs to be rebuilt and processed. And God sees us for who we are. He, he knows our hearts and he knows what we look like, but yet he sees the beauty. Yet he sees the loveliness. He sees us through Jesus' eyes. And this morning, um, I want you guys to, to see these ladies through Jesus' eyes because God is doing some amazing things in their lives right now. And he's going to use them to help us to understand all the great things that he wants to do in our lives. Through the hurt, through the brokenness, through the joyful moments, in every moment, God, God is at work. And so if you would, just stand with me for a moment. And uh, I want you to just reach your hands out like you're laying your hands on these ladies. And, and we want to pray together uh, in the name of Jesus that God would continue to renovate us as a church, to continue to, to heal us and to restore us. Um, because I know many of us have our own stories. Many of us are going through moments of, of, of toughness and in harsh uh, times of life. And, uh, but God is there. He's always with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. So let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you so much for your love for us. Lord, your love is what, what compels us, what moves us to draw near to you, Father. Lord, we just thank you so much that, that you love us so much, that you would do so much, that you would give so much, and that you would offer so much. Father, I, I thank you for these ladies and, and their stories, your story in their life and, and the change that you've created in their life and how you've drawn them near to you. And Father, because of that, all of us are closer to you. All of us see your love in a different way and understand it that much more, Father. I pray this morning that as we talk about your word, as we seek to discover the truths of your scripture, that you would help us to see this great love, that it would draw us nearer and closer to you, Father. Thank you again for these ladies. We pray that you'd pour out your blessing upon them, that you'd continue to renovate them, to, to heal them, to restore them, and to help them to become uh, the women that you've created them to be, Father. We just thank you for your son, Jesus, and we look to you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Let's give the ladies a hand again. Well, as you can see, God is at work. Amen to that? God is always working. He's always doing something. And the Bible tells us that he's always doing a new thing. So are you ready for something new this morning? Yes. All right, I, I need a little, little more. Come on. Are you ready for something new this morning? All right, good deal. All right, because God is at work. We're excited. Well, if you would, grab your Bibles. If you don't have one with you, that's okay. We have some extras under the chairs there. Open up your iPhone. Uh, make sure you're not on Facebook unless it's a live feed and you're recording, then we're okay with that. 
uh, but no scrolling through social media. Let's, let's give our attention and turn our hearts to God. We're going to look at uh, Second, uh, excuse me, Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. And in this chapter, Paul really gets to kind of the heart of things. He's talking about the return of Jesus Christ. He's, he's telling them that, hey, you know the story. You know what's going to happen one day, that, that Jesus is coming back. But there's some people, there, there's some individuals there's this adversary that, that is, is coming against what we know is truth. And, and he's trying to deceive you. He's trying to fool you into thinking that, hey, this world is okay and these things are okay and this is kind of what's going to happen in the world today. And then he paints us this wonderful little picture that we'll read here, starting in verse 9. He says, The coming of lawlessness... Lawless, coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we, we ought to always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. See, to this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. See, there's a, a few key verses that I think it's important for us to, to focus on because we're going to talk about how, how we change, how God changes us. See, he saves us. He tells us, the truth is, he tells us to come as we are. See, in your mind, if you're thinking, well, I've got to fix myself before I come to God, that's not the truth. See, God sees you in your sin. God sees you as that, that broken house. See, and the truth of the matter is that, that he knows our hearts. Even if we pretend to be something that we're not, even if we put on a good show, a good front at church, we put on our nice clothes and, and we go out in the world and hey, everything is great and everything is fine. You know, God knows our hearts. God knows who we are. You know, I always say I, I'm the biggest sinner that I know because only I know my heart. See, I don't know your heart. I don't know the things that, that you struggle with. I don't know the things that, that you wrestle with. I don't know the things that, that you place above God or the things that you worship. But I do, do know the things that I struggle with. And so does God. God knows our hearts. So you're the biggest sinner that you know. See, but even in that sin, even in that, that chaos, even in the, the brokenness of life, God sees you and he loves you. He loves you. See, for us to change, we have to acknowledge that aspect of it, is that it's not us who changes, it's God who changes us. 
And if we're going to change, if we're going to take those steps to be sanctified by God, our very first step is to surrender to God, to give our lives to Jesus, to say, Father God, I believe in your son. I believe that you died on a cross so that I can have life. And now help me to understand that life. Help me to know this life that you're offering me. And that's the sanctification process. But we have to be very careful because this world will tell us a lot of things. There'll be people that we think are, are preaching the truth when they're really not preaching the truth. There's, there's a falsehood. There's some, some myths and, and some confusion there that sometimes comes out. And I would even challenge you for, for myself, if I say something about God's word, to look at God's word and make sure that Floyd is saying the truth. That Floyd isn't just saying an opinion or a thought or what he thinks is right. See, because... What we have to understand is that biblical change is important. Biblical change is what matters. And listen to these verses in 9 and 10. And and I think it's important for us to focus in on this because he says this. He says, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. See, there's an adversary. there's, There's someone that wants to create confusion around us. And there's going to be these false signs and these wonders that we're going to be in awe of and think, oh man, maybe, maybe this is Jesus. Maybe this is what I need to know. This is what I need in my life. And then in verse 10 he says, and with all wicked deception, listen closely to this part, for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth. Because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. See, again, we, we see here that there's an adversary, and his name is Satan. He's the devil. You can call him whatever you want, but he's our adversary, and he's doing things in this world. He's the ruler of this world. He's doing things in this world to try and confuse us and mislead us. You know, a lot of the world today will, will tell you, if, if I'm just a good person, I'll get to heaven. I know I'll get there eventually. But the truth is that the Bible tells us otherwise. It says the, the, the road is narrow. The path is, is about this wide to heaven. But the path to hell is this wide. It's easy. See, Jesus tells us he is the, the way, the truth, and the life. And we're going to talk about that passage in John in just a few moments. But, but Jesus says, I am the only way to God. The path is narrow. See, we have to look at what the Bible says about biblical change and why it's so important that we allow the word of God to change our lives. Not the word of man. Not the word of the world around us. But the word of God. See, sometimes we are told things and and they make us feel good. They they tickle our ears and, and we like them and they're like, oh yeah, that's perfect for me. That fits well for me. But what he's saying here. He's saying, be careful because there's an adversary and and there's not biblical truth in what this person says. It it, it sounds good and it might make you feel good, but it isn't truth. See, God wants to change us. God wants to sanctify us in his truth through his word. See, those those are some key words there. Through his truth, which is his word. So you might be asking yourself right now, well, what what is the truth? 
You know, how do I know what the truth is? Well, grab your Bibles, pick them up. Here's our truth. This is where we understand and gain knowledge of the truth. See, in Psalm 119, verse 160, it says, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. See, it's the word of God that is our truth. It's what God says that we should do. See, this is what truth is. And it's all here. It's all in the Bible. It's our truth. It's where we gain our understanding. If you get a chance, Psalm 119 is the longest psalm. It'll take you a couple days probably to read it. (laughs) But it's probably the best psalm in there because it, it glorifies the word of God. It talks about how we honor God through loving his commands and his precepts, the things that he has set before us, the life that he is offering us through his word. See, and then Jesus gives us this. It's it's the same counsel that we hear in the Psalm 119. In John chapter 17, verse 17, he just simply says this, "Sanctify, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So if we want to know the truth, if we want to understand the truth, if we want biblical change in our life, then we have to pursue the truth. We have to read the truth. We have to apply the truth to our lives. See, God uses his word to guide us, to change us, and he's doing this to prepare us for something that he's offered us, and that's eternity. See, God is doing all of this stuff to prepare us for eternity. Because one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But, not every knee that bends and every tongue that confesses will make it into heaven. See, worldly change isn't going to do it. Only biblical change is going to do it. And I tell you what, Jane mentioned this in all the things that she's experienced as far as life and loss and all that. And the one thing that stands out is this joy. See, and that joy comes from a savior. It comes from from biblical change and, and understanding the hope that you and I are offered for eternity through Jesus Christ. See, because this world isn't gonna give us joy. You know, we can find joy in the moments. We can be happy in moments. But true joy comes from understanding and knowing that we have an eternity. We have a life that's offered to us. And it comes through Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other way. See, this all happens when we understand this. It all happens because change comes by the power of God. It's not done in our own strength. How many of you have ever asked, uh, asked yourself or made a comment to yourself kind of hypothetically, man, I, I sure wish he would change. I sure wish that person was different. My wife says that every day. <laughs> Just kidding, she doesn't. She loves me. We, we've all probably said that at one point in, in, or another, right? And usually from there, you know, especially if it's someone close to us, someone that we love or someone that we care for, usually from there we try and initiate that change, right? We usually try and do something or say something that will help that person change because we want them to be different. See, we've got power to do that because we've got some fancy words and we know exactly what he needs or exactly what she needs. 
I'm guilty of that all the time. You can ask my kids. <laughs> I'm always offering them something. Because <laughs> I want them to change. I, w- I want to see biblical change. But what, what I, I have to understand is that, that it's not my power that will change them. See, the only power that I have to change any or anybody, even in then, it's not on my own, but it's I can change myself. So if I want my family to be different, if I want the people around me to be different, if I want the world to be different, then I gotta let God change me first. I gotta allow God to start to shape me into the person that he needs me to be. You know, what's, what's so beautiful about the, the three stories, and we got the, the short version of, of those stories, but what's so beautiful about those stories is, is that for each and every one of them, there was that moment when they realized God needs to change me. They realized that, that they had to bow and surrender to a loving God that only wants the best for them. It says, I want to give you life and life more abundant. And in those moments is when all that beautiful change happened. That, those moments when, when you see them just blossom like the flowers that God created them to be. The beauty that he has offered them. Remember, the Bible tells us that we are, are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you believe that this morning? That you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you are unique to God and God created you just to be who you are today? See, change comes by the power of God. Look at verses 13 and 14. He says, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a beautiful passage? Isn't it a reminder for us to be thankful for God's change in our life and how God's power, His Spirit sanctifies us? And it's just us simply believing in the truth, believing in what God's Word says. It's the goodness of the gospel. And we are obtaining we are growing into the person that God wants us to be, the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, it's a picture of a new creation. See, the old is gone, the new has come. It's a new life in Christ. And you and I, we are in the process of being renovated through the power of God's Spirit. See, it's the truth that points us in the direction of God. It's the truth that wants us to go and move forward and become the individual that God has set us to be, that he has made us to be. And it's all in preparation for eternal life. See, change comes by the power of God. If you want to change, then surrender to God. God will change you. God will help you. He'll do everything that needs to be done for you to become the person that he wants you to be. I want you to look at Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It's up on the screen here. He says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, 
we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, with the power to be sanctified, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, eternity, to the praise of his glory. I want to ask you this morning, do you know the truth? Do you believe in the truth? I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of John. And I want you to see this, and it's a familiar story. Um, John chapter 14. We're going to read the first few verses together. I want you to listen to the, the words of Jesus himself. And then the words of this man named Thomas. John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. You know the truth. And this man, Thomas, he says to Jesus, he says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? How can we know the truth? And Jesus simply says this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. See, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This change, this sanctification only comes through this deep, intimate relationship with Christ. There is no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. I can't get you there. Your neighbor can't get you there. Your mom and your dad can't get you there. You have to have a faith of your own. You have to have, to have, have, to have a faith that you own. See, because Jesus is the only way, he's the only truth, and he's the only life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. See, this truth tells that we, that we are to come as we are, hurting and broken, not perfect, just in need of a Savior. See, the truth is that you don't have to change your life before you come to Jesus. But you have to understand that your life will be changed. Amen to that? So I want us to kind of end our time together in these last few moments. And I just want to ask you the question, what, what does God want to change in your life today? You know, for many of us, we, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We all know the passage of, of bearing the fruit when we walk in step with the Spirit, when we walk in the flesh, what that looks like, what our lives would look like as we walk in the flesh. But we also talk about what our lives look like when we walk in the Spirit. We bear the fruit of the Spirit. That's love, patience, kindness, joy. All of those things that I think all of us want in this life. But the question that I have for you this morning is that are you allowing God to change you into that person? Are you walking in step with his spirit, the spirit that's in you, that lives and dwells in you at the moment of salvation, the moment you surrender your life, God indwells you, 
He comes into you and he lives through you, but you have to walk in step with him. And maybe one of those aspects of bearing the fruit of God's spirit isn't something that you're real excited about right now. (laughs) I don't really want to be patient because my kids drive me nuts. (laughs) I really don't want to have joy because you know what? Life, it just doesn't, doesn't speak joy to me right now. I really don't want to be kind to that guy because he's kind of rude to me every now and then and I just don't want to offer him any kind of kindness. I don't, I don't know what that, that fill in the blank is for you, but, but I want to challenge you this morning to think about that area in your life where God is changing you. If, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've, you've had that moment of surrender, there is something in your life right now that God wants to change. There is something that God wants to do in your life. What is that? I want to leave you with two more passages before we close. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I think this is an important reminder for us. Um, Ephesians chapter 2. Starting in verse 8. I want you to listen to this. Because it's a good reminder of, of why we should change and how we should depend on God's grace and mercy and allow God to change us. In verse 8 he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Did you catch that? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. And I offer you that this morning because simply this. There is nothing you can do There is no change you can make in your life that will change the simple fact that God loves you and he will never stop loving you. But I also want you to understand that that your faith at work, your faith alive in you and God working in and through you will bring you to these moments of change so that others may know and see the hope And this is why, starting in verse 10, he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, listen to this, for good works. Did you catch that? We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. There's the new life. There's the change. There's what God wants for us. I just want to close in prayer together. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And, you know, as, as our passage in Second Thessalonians ends, he simply says this, and I'm going to read it. He says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself, this is a prayer, Now may, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Father God, we come and we bow. Father, we give ourselves to you this morning. Father, we open our hearts, we open our minds, and we ask that you would just fill us and indwell us with your spirit. Father, we give you thanks for the life change. We give you thanks because today we are not the same person that we were a week ago, two weeks ago, ten years ago. Father, through the power of your Spirit, you have changed us and you've helped us to become 
the people that you want us to be, Father. But we understand and we know that we are still a work in progress, that we'll, we will never be perfect until we get into heaven, until we receive that precious gift of eternal life. But Father, this morning as we bow our hearts to you and as we pray to you, we ask that you would continue to see us as your workmanship, as, as that, that unfinished piece, Father, that you love so much, that you're working so diligently to, to just to finish and to, to see us through, for us to become the people that you created us to be, Father. Father, you brought us into this world with a purpose and with a plan. And in the moments when we're discouraged, in the moments when we don't always understand why, in the moments when we face hardships and turmoil and, and loss, Father God, remind us of that purpose. Remind us of the meaning behind what you're doing in our lives. Remind us that we've been saved by grace through faith. And it's so that we would do these good works, that we would share our lives with those that are around us, that we would love the people that you've brought into our lives, that we would encourage one another, that we would gather together often and stir each other up knowing and understanding that you are always doing a new thing, that you are always at work in our lives. Father, we just thank you for the change that you've brought. We thank you for the love and the sanctification that you're doing in our lives right now in these very moments. And Father, I just pray, I just pray that, that each and every one of us would listen to your spirit right now and that we would be obedient and that we would believe and trust in the truth that we would love the truth we would love your son thank you father we love you and praise you in jesus name amen thank you for listening and we pray you were blessed by today's message you're invited to worship with us sunday mornings at 10 a.m for directions and information about soul rio and our weekly events please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.